All right, welcome back to the Shoot to Hunt podcast. I'm Ryan Avery. I'm with Jake Mushaney, and I'm with Jim Carr. Jim Carr is a business owner, scouting messiah, father. I would say you're a, you're an okay hunter, but he's, <laughs> he he gets around. I'll say that. I want to first before we get into scouting, which we have you on here for. I want to talk about your your daughters, Annabelle and Emmy, and even now yeah. now Charlotte. Yep. So you have three hunting age daughters. Yep. And, um, when I, I first met them, they're just wee little girls and, uh, Annabelle started hunting at 10. Mm-hmm. Her first year, her first year, did she not shoot three or four elk within her first year of hunting 10 years old? I think it was three. Cause we got one in Jan- January, right after she turned uh, 10 and then oh. bull in the rifle season. And then another December hunt, I think one year. Yeah. The, the impressive part to me, and and the question I hear all the time is, you're 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 so far you're three for three. How did you not convince? But how did you raise three daughters that want to hunt? With I already see the passion in the first two, but that third one, she says she loves hunting too. Yeah, and she just shot her first elk like two weeks ago. Yep. How did how did you raise them to like love the outdoors and love hunting? I don't know. I I um. I obviously have a passion for hunting in mountains and everything. And I kind of like since day one, I think we go camping. I'm always looking for animals. So they knew at five years old, they kind of, they'd be with me on my backpack or whatever. So they kind of knew what I was doing. And, you know, kind of, you got to get instilled in their lives right away. You know, not like, you can't just like, I think if uh, I have nephews mm-hmm. and stuff that haven't done it and now they're up here by us and man, I they don't even have like a, any desire whatsoever, you know, because they didn't see it, you know, step by step and kind of. So you just think it was from day one. Yeah. Just them going and seeing me, what I'm doing, what I talk about, what am I passionate about, you know? Well, yeah. Cause it's not like it's, it's a foregone conclusion. I have two kids. Lane likes hunting. He doesn't love, like it's not a love of his and Aubrey, Aubrey could take it or leave it. She just, she's more about, it. I don't want to get cold. So to have three daughters, three different personalities <laughs> so far, and you do have three different personalities with oh, yeah. your daughters, it's kind of impressive. You made me have to make a PDF and sell it. Yeah. <laughs> um, t- can we talk about Charlotte's first elk this year? Can you kind of tell us a little bit how it went down? Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're like, yeah, I guess so, <laughs> if you must. It's just the highlights. Like, here's her first elk. Yep. Yeah, no, anyways, yeah. So we uh, she drew the tag and, and – uh, um, Back in you know back in June, the only town I could get her on because she doesn't turn um, ten until the end of December. Mm-hmm. So the only hunt I could get her on was cow hunt, and so she actually drew it. So um, got her to go down. You know, we, we she'd been talking about it for months. Like she wants to kill her first elk, and um, I take her shooting. You know, every once in a while, and she she's a natural shooter. Like I think last year, the first time I had her shoot at eight hundred yards, for dead on. <laughs> Yeah, and that's another thing is the three of them actually do shoot. They just yeah. don't grab the gun the first time they see the elk is the first time they've seen the rifle. Yeah. Because the other two are just, they're just killers. Yep. And yeah, no, anyways, we, uh, it was a pretty quick hunt. Um, tried out the 6UM. Um, that, that was kind of my like backstory to the whole thing. I wanted yeah. to talk, I wanted to talk about the 6UM. <laughs> yeah. It's right. Ryan let me borrow it and I didn't get to shoot it prior to the hunt. And uh, we went out there, we kind of, me and the family drove down, uh, I took the whole family down, you know, and, uh, uh, we have some friends that live down there They met us, but anyways, took the whole family down and we, uh, uh, we left that, um, we left the hotel. We actually stayed at a hotel. I never stayed at hotels, but we stayed at a hotel. Hey, it's January. It's yeah, cold. Cold. I'd stay in a hotel too. Yeah. I heard some, uh, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of snow and, uh, talking to the game warden. He said it was going to be pretty tough. It's one of those hunts you got to be within like a, a mile of a field, mile of a green field, yeah, cultivated field, and it was, and, it, and he said it was going to be tough. There was the elk were kind of just bunched up on hillsides up high, and um, but I have a lot of little pockets down there, so I kind of just driving down there. I already picked out like three different pockets, so we came back, um, shot the gun for the first time, twelve ninety six. That it was right on. So I'm like, okay, we're good. <laughs> I wouldn't set you up for failure. Yeah. Have, <clears throat> That's the thing that you got to give a gun that's doped out right. Yeah. yeah I mean, you got you got to watch Jake, you know, give you a crooked gun sometimes, but I would never do that to you. <laughs> yeah. 
twelve ninety six with a six millimeter bullet. One hundred fifteen yeah. DTAC. I was like, oh shoot. What was the velocity again? Thirty two hundred. This one's just mundane. We got to figure out more speed, but we just got it at thirty two, and it was accurate and went with it. But we'll be doing some more testing. But anyways, configure continue. Yeah. So anyways, um, we uh, uh, we left that that spot shooting, and uh, it had a we had a friend that had a uh, had tagged to a little another little girl, and. It kind of got it a little hairy there for a minute, but anyways, we found some elk and went after them, and uh, uh, got up to the uh, got up to a little knob. And I wasn't even hoping to shoot anything that night. You know, I wanted to actually go the next day, but it was like shoot, man, you got an opportunity. And, you know, the hunt's on in my mind. Yep. We get up on get up there and you know, get them set up. Get you know she got set up and she was quick to get and set up. You know, on elk. And to me, that's so. Growing up, I have. Shoot, how many brothers and sisters? I have eight brothers and two sisters. And I, tons of cousins. You have how many? Eight brothers and two sisters. Is there a Larry in the mix? Yeah, there's Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Even I got him on something. That was he's he was the worst. The other brother Larry. Yeah, he's a black sheep. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um yeah, uh I think the key for kids though is being able to get on target because mm-hmm. I've taken, you know, lots of lots of kids hunting cousins and stuff in the past and yeah i don't know what it is about me I always want to take you know get somebody else in the honey you know get it well we need more it. people like you and so you take them and man so many opportunities are blown like you get on an animal it takes so long to get you make a big old hike and get on an animal and they cannot get it in the scope or they can't find it and you know spend the whole time just trying to get them on an animal let alone mm-hmm. make a good shot you know and that has probably ruined more hunts than you know anything but anyways um, going back to that, she got just like her sisters. Annabelle was the, the she's the fastest at getting on target, faster than me. Like she's like, I'm on, I'm, I'm shooting. I'm like, uh, hold on, <laughs> wait, are you sure? Are you sure? She's yeah, sure. I, I took yeah. it. I, I blew it on a big, a good bull one time. I said, don't shoot because I didn't think she had a good shot. She's like, Dad, I have it. I'm shooting it in. The later that day on a different bull, you know, after we blew every, after some other hunters blew every herd out of there, um, we got on another bull, and she's like. I was trying to get the camera set up. And she's like, Dad, I'm on. I'm shooting. She didn't even wait. She's mad. She just, boom. <laughs> you know, she's on it quick. Oh, so, yeah. She is. And uh, and so Charlotte was that way. She was on it, and we had to wait. We had a, There was another girl that wanted to get on to at the same time, so she had to wait. Well, anyways, you got, you know, there's a cow hunt, so you got bulls and, you know, some spikes and stuff mixed in, and, and you know, the elk started to bunch up a little bit, so we had to wait our bite our time to get one to clear because I don't. You know, when you get a bunch shoot, you know, you start shooting at one, you might hit another one. So, but anyway, she made a shot, and I could tell it was good. And the herd started running around and made her wait, you know, to you know to make sure it was one hundred percent the right elk. And she hit him the second time and nose dived in the ground. Mm-hmm. Both shots were like three inches apart, so she did good. Nice. Yeah, was she pretty excited? Oh, dude, she was freaking stoked. <laughs> I bet I, I, there's pictures and I'll probably use her picture, her carrying out that elk okay. for this podcast. Cause people will see, she's just a little bitty 10 year old and yeah. she can't weigh but 80 pounds and she's carrying a whole back. It looks like a whole back quarter. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Big legs sticking up. It's, yeah. It's pretty sweet. Yep. Yeah. There was a, uh, a cool little backpack. We got that, uh, a Western edge gear backpack. Mm-hmm. Um, he's out of North Dakota. He gave me that. He sent that backpack to me to try with my girls. So, you're viewing that rock side? Yeah, I got a, a, for the last few years, you know how many elk, we, you know, hunts we went on with my daughters, and they always have these oversized backpacks mm-hmm. that just freaking, they're pain. Like, their shoulders are hurting, their hips are hurting, and I haven't gone, I never went, took the time to really find a backpack that really fit them good. So that backpack is meant for children? hmm So, like, the everything, the harness, the belt, what's nope. it called? It's the Western Edge Gear Um they, that's their that's the name of the company and they just they have different names of packs this pack is called i uh i think he just made this pack kind of um it's a new uh a prototype but he has a, he has a list of different packs and this one is called like the uh um long x can you swap it out as they grow yeah um i think this, i got i what i what i'm kind of messed up on was i probably should have went with a 20 inch frame uh-huh. and i got the 22 because I was thinking it would fit all the girls, right. you know, and I think I was at the upper edge of the, the girls. He told me to go at 20. I went, I was thinking more long-term. <laughs> is it like, 
like, you know, you run Kefaru and stuff. Is it that kind of quality construction? Yeah, dude. It's like a straight up cross between a Kefaru and an Exo. Oh, really? Yeah. It's good material. It's, they're not GI, I think they're like three ninety nine or something. Well, I remember seeing that backpack when, uh, Annabelle shot that deer when I was yeah. down there and I was like, man, that backpack looks like it fits Annabelle and. Yeah. Like I said. It, big difference. I wish we would have had it on Emmy's hunt uh, and Annabelle's hunt earlier because they, you know, they were struggling. You know, they have that. I had them carry more weight this year than ever because of my foot's been so messed up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like the pack, you can see that pack just weighing down on their hips. It's so long for them. And, uh, like how many cubic inches is that pack? It's like? 4,000. Oh, shit. I got them to get the, they have a, they have a couple like 22s and, but this 4,000 one, I was, I was like, obviously, Thinking about the future, having them pack more elk. <laughs> What's it called again? I'll just put it in the show notes because I'm sure people will be wondering. Yeah, Western Edge Gear. Western? I don't, I, I own Rockside and I didn't even know this. Yeah, they, uh, uh it was pretty cool. I, I guess they have a meat shelf on it too. I found out afterwards. I didn't know at the time, but the, the quarter fit right in the main bag. Hmm. Kind of like a Gafaro, you know, how you could just put the meat in there? Yeah. But it actually has a meat shelf just like a XO. Do they fight over it? They did. <laughs> especially on that deer hunt oh my they were like i'm wearing it, i'm wearing it <laughs> well yeah it actually fits him it doesn't look like a drowned rat put it you know a big yeah. old pack on him um so i wanted to kind of switch gears stay on your daughter's minute, but how many elk have they shot with that six five prc oh, let me start counting um and then while you're counting what's the average range oh shoot yeah the <laughs> average if you took the average total I swear every time you tell me about one, it was a thousand and ten. Well, and one the one thousand and thirty. The one it, that we showed the article was ten thirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then she shot one right through the freaking right through the shoulder. Remember down? Yeah, south. Uh, it, was it nine hundred? Yeah, that was nine hundred. Uh, we got you know what on that one? We they heard it was gonna they were blowing out and like obviously we weren't we don't go to we weren't going to just go shoot at nine hundred. Right, we don't ever but, start out. We but, we don't back but, up. You know when we're you know you only have so many opportunities, especially in some of this country. You know? Yep. And these elk were they were on their way out, and mm-hmm. that was the only chance you got because they wanted to go on the north side. It's it's done, and there you know there's good decent sized herd and and we like there's a little knob up there, and I'm like shoot, we got up to that knob. I'm, like, I'm gonna go at exactly nine hundred. Got to nine hundred because we any closer you're you're on the same hill and you're, you're gonna be shooting at like a you know, like a 30 degree angle and ain't going to work. So we got on, it was so quick and I wish I, shoot, man, I wish I would have got video on it because it was sweet. It was, we got out so quick. I ranged it and cause they were moving, they were getting ready to go. And she got, I'm like, do not shoot a cow. <laughs> and I know she'll get on the right one. She's like, I'm on him, dad. I'm shooting. And it was, it was just like the leg just got took it out from under it right well, that, through the scapula. That tells me you guys practice a little bit with your dope too. If you can yeah. get on and no, I was quick. I'd, I do, I do, I do like uh, when she gets on it as she's doing it, and I, I, I'll turn the dial because you know sometimes they move back and forth. So and then for a kid like that, she's fourteen, thirteen. Yeah, she's she's actually she just turned fifteen. Uh, yeah, three days ago. Yeah, it's it's kind of embarrassing, Jake. She's already, she's taller than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she. Uh, anyways, how do you guys do your wind holds? You just hold her, tell her to hold some place on the animal, or no? I, I'll I'll adjust for her because you know it, you know I'm not trying to. Uh, Actually, you, you put the wind in? With the exception of Annabelle, I will tell her, and I'm not talking big wind. I'm talking like I'm going to tell her to hold, you know, what part of the animal to hold, you know, give her mm-hmm. a, a relative spot versus having her, you know, you know, hold right at the front of the shoulder, mm-hmm. you know, whatnot. But other than that, I dial because I'm not trying to get them too complicated there. Right. And then, so that is all with a 147 ELDM, right? Yeah. I'm bullet killing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that, he has a, perfect scapula with a hole right through it like just perfect and people always a guy on the website named form and he uh he always talks about this people always talk about how nasty this big elk shoulder is and he said you can put up the light and look right through it well at 900 yards it just blew a hole right through that Mm -hmm. right through that scapula yep yep yeah you have a you have a clean hole going in and then the other side just is some mayhem going on did it just smack into the other side yeah smacked all the way through in the other side like it it killed it at 900 yards, but it would have killed it at, uh, shoot, <laughs> a lot further. Well, so that's the sum total on that gun's probably like 700 yards between those two girls. Yeah. There's a couple what's of the, 900. What's the gun build out? Stock it, and. The, the, um, it's a manor stock. Uh, what is it? It's a manor, right? Yep. Uh, it's kind of a uh, put together gun. So, yeah. He had a, your buddy or he had buddies a gun yeah, put it together. Yeah. He put it together. Yeah. It's heavy gun. Yeah. It's I not need to, light. I, we are definitely going to work after carrying that, uh, 
your six uh, UM there. <laughs> yeah, it's a six UM. I don't care. Jake. Yeah, six Psalm approved. Jake's fighting his own name on that gun. <sighs> you think it's just confusing? Is that why? No, it's, it's not confusing. There's some backstory we got to get into a little bit, I guess, yeah. at, a, at another time. Yeah, when we do the when, thi- when we do it on the gun. Ryan's going to keep talking about it, so you may as well say, so six UM that Ryan's calling it is a six SOM improved. We're necking down ADG brass, and it's a blown-out shoulder. But it's a 115-grain bullet. We already pushed it up to 33. 34, almost. 34 out of a 20-inch barrel. So that's 115-grain uh, tub detect nose ring, almost 3,400 feet a second. Out of a twenty-inch barrel, yeah, and it's killed three elk now, and it's it's how well how much do you think there's sufficient enough damage? Yeah, so so the first <laughs> shot I see I seen I knew it was hit right behind the shoulder, uh-huh. and it stood there, and yeah. I was like, man, that bullet sucks. <laughs> I was like cursing Ryan for a minute, I'm like, man, what the hell did he freaking punch a hole through? And then uh, and then you know, then she shot the second shot, and a little bit forward to hit this, it went right through the scapula. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, it didn't bounce off? It bounced off. It went right through. Like <laughs> I think I sent you that picture. It just looks like a, it's a small hole, you know, yeah. goes in and on the other side of it, all oh, it was mayhem. <laughs> but then even the first shot, yeah. I like, the elk was standing there, but it was damaged. It was like all the way through. It was dying from it the had first shot. Exit. It had like, the bullet must have separated. Yeah. It had two exits. Well, that's what that nose ring's supposed yeah, to do. It, it breaks exits. off the front. But one was like fifth size. Like, yeah, like, is that the that picture the, you sent me yeah, that had the two the next two, to each other? Those are, that's one shot. Holy moly. Yeah, and then the other one, the fifth size. So it was it was destroyed on the first shot, you know. Is there a way yeah. you, you can put that picture in the in the? Little, I can put it down below in the show notes. We'll put so this picture it. in the link so you guys can see it. But, it's, but what I saw was two fifth size holes right it's, next to each other from 115 it, green bullet. It, 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 the pictures aren't the greatest because you can see uh, my phone. Look. Yeah. yeah, he broke. <laughs> he has, he, on his lens on his iPhone, it's broke. Yeah, so the pictures aren't the greatest. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's two holes, but it's it was vicious. So it was gonna die in either oh, yeah. for either shot. Yep. So, anyways, we were talking. We got sidetracked. Well, we're gonna do a whole podcast on the six UM. Is it stand for unknown munitions or ultra mega? That's, I don't know, that's I don't know what this ultra mega shit is, but that Josh Sadler on Rockslide, he's like. We don't know for sure if it stands for unknown munitions. It could stand for ultra mega. That's because they don't trust you. <laughs> How they don't trust me. Well, anyways, where, where were we at with the whole elk thing and your daughters? I can't remember. Yeah. I think we were just talking about long, no, your gun build. And it's it's got, what's the barrel on that 6.5 PRC? It's a, it's a 25, 24-inch barrel. You know what brand? I do not. Yeah. We're going to have some gun nuts. Is it steel or carbon fiber? It's, it's steel. It's steel because he wants it to shoot straight. Yeah. <laughs> it's heavy. It's heavy. <laughs> he just dropping bobs today. Yeah, I had a, I had a friend uh, put it put it together. It shoots nice. Yeah, it's, it's a tack driver. Oh, Jake, it, it has a suppressor on it. Oh yeah. shit, Jake doesn't like suppressors. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. I never used them before, and I'm a fan of them. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> another. That's hunting, like I told you, hunting with kids or your wife. Yeah, they're a lifesaver because you can talk. Yeah. Hmm. Anything else you want to add about the daughters and shooting and ah uh, shoot yeah I can hold podcast talking about them but yeah no they're it's, I'm a, it's a joy to do uh, um I just got to get my feet better so I can uh, pack all these elk out man it's freaking <laughs> so it gives me anxiety <laughs> three three daughters uh, like ten elk oh man I don't even have more let's see I don't know let me see so we got I think I think we're hun- hunting with kids in general is already an awesome feeling. When you put a young kid on an animal and, and to see that excitement, it's almost like a, like I still get really emotional and excited if I shoot something. But to see your to see your kid or a kid just in general uh, shooting animals is is intense. And then when it's your kid, it's another level of intense. Yeah, and, no doubt. Uh, and, and and until you've experienced it, it's kind of hard to explain. Yeah, no, it's I agree. And like uh, if my kid shoots something versus me shooting something, I feel better. You know. I get more excited about them. You know, I, if we got on a 400-inch bull and I had a choice for me to shoot it or my daughter to shoot it, I'd feel, oh yeah, I'd be more excited about her to shoot it. It's funny too, like when you're growing up and you don't have kids or even your spouse, like I love when Tanya shoots stuff. I love when my kids shot stuff. Well, Aubrey's never shot anything. Lane shot stuff. But it's, uh, I would say no way I'd ever, I always want to shoot the animal. And it's like, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Yeah. But your daughters have got to be, because I know Annabelle's like six or seven elk. Yeah. I think she's at seven. Seven, she's then at that bull this year. Yeah, Emmy's at three. Yeah, and Charlotte's at one. Yeah, so we're. I think we're ten or eleven. I have to. I have to go back through mine to check. 
Chicken and then the, the little little red's coming. Yeah. And she's going to be a fireball, I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> so anyways, you better start working on that PDF. Yeah. How do you got four daughters to hunt? Yeah. We need to get those horses too, man. <laughs> we use mules. We're all ready for that. It, mules. So the, the, here's the problem I'm going to run into. So yeah. now I have to, if I want to go hunting, and now I had to take Annabelle hunting, which is cool. Now it's Emmy and Annabelle. And they're not going to relent like, oh, I'm not, I want to go on that good hunt. I want to go back there far hunt, you know. I want to kill a big bull. I want to kill a big bull. Now it's Charlotte. I want to kill a big bull. So, man, I'm like thinking about, man, where's all that time going to go? <laughs> yeah, you're not going to have gonna any time. He's going to back all those animals out. <laughs> yeah, you better get some livestock. Yeah. All right, let's shift gears to uh, you've written several articles on Rockslide about scouting. So I've asked a few questions from a few people on Rockslide. And the one you wrote about <clears throat> scouting early. Why is scouting early, in a nutshell, important? Yeah, no, I think it's important because, you know, I, so I, you know, I spend a lot of time in a lot of different areas and especially getting to know a new area. Like uh, you can go say, you know, a lot of people were when I, you know, you know, talk, you know, asking about scouting when I was first starting, they're like, oh, you want to go, you know, closest to season, you know, you get all, you can pull the whole thing towards yeah, your face. You know, you get closer to August and, yeah. you know, closer to the season. But the thing about it is, is like, uh, you know, a lot of that country, yeah. You know, the animals are freaking, they might be, it's hot mm-hmm. and they might be out for real short periods of time. They might be, you know, you're looking at a smaller window, you know, they're the, the ground might in a lot of country, you know, it's starting to dry up and you know, the, um, so what I found is that early on, I don't know if it's the animals, they like to be, you know, they want to be out there feeding a little bit more heavily early on. You'll see in like, in like June and June even earlier is okay. You know, it depends where their summer range is at clearly, you know, if they're up at 10,000 feet and there's a pile of snow up there, you got to wait till they get back to the summer range. Right. But I think when they hit the summer range, they're, they're in a little bit more frenzy to eat more longer periods of time. And it's, and so they're out, they're out more. They pop against that green grass a lot more, you know, like there's a lot of country you, there's one country in particular, you know, to say over in North Dakota, I found some really good bucks and, um, but it, go back to the first year, I scouted the crap out of it. You, you find deer, you didn't find that many, you know, just kind of in it. We had, it was right after a bad winter. And so I was out just scouring the country. Like I, I was working on a rig, but I had, you know, at night I go spend a night in the mountain somewhere, you know, the badlands looking and, um, spent that first year and I was kind of like, man, this winter did definitely kill them all off, you know, cause they, they had a bad winter and. Um, it goes to the next year. I start, you know, you start in June. I start just getting out covering new ground. And, dude, I was seeing deer all over. and Not all over, but you'd find pockets because you're you're out cruising. You're covering ground faster. This is the following spring. You're following year. You're, you're yeah. covering ground a lot faster because you're not like, oh, it's not that important that I need to pick this basin apart. Right. But then you start to see that pop. They, You know, they're out feeding longer, and you see them. They pop against the ground, you know, better. But... And I found a pocket that was unreal, you know. And so you go back in August looking for those same deer. If you went through that country, you would never seen it. I mean, you would you'd have to know exactly where they're at. You'd have to look at the lat the first ten minutes, you know, thirty minutes because hot. They're bedding up quick. So if you're a new country and you go out there in August, you might not know where to look. I mean, if you already know the area and you know exactly what basin you're looking at, you know what part of the basin you're looking at. That's fine, but if you don't and you go into it, you have this giant mountain range and you don't know where the deer are at and you're going to go in there, you're going to go look for them in a scouting trip when it's, you know, you have a long day mm-hmm. and you have like 20 minutes of glassing, you know, or, you know, maybe a little longer, but you really don't get to cover enough ground in that, you know, a couple days versus go out there and walk a whole ridge and see 70% more deer, 100% more deer. And, and even those big bucks, they that's when I find them and I find the same big buck in August. But the only way you'd find that buck is you have to be, you have to be looking at him. You have to know where he's at looking at him. He only might come out for a few minutes, you know? So I think the, are you talking like, you're talking as soon as it's not like May, as soon as they're going to No, get May back? is a little too, too early. It depends okay. on the country. There's some country June, I'd say like some of the lower country, like the Badland type country, mm-hmm. you get in June, they're in their they're in their summer range. Their antlers are growing. You might not know exactly how big it's going to be, but you could. You, there's a difference in bucks. You know, and you could tell what's going on a good way route. But that's when you'll find 
far more deer or elk or whatever they are. You'll find a lot more animals and then you will if you go back in the same country even in montana some of those breaks i've been out there in the summer when it's 100 degrees freaking good luck you know i mean you'll find <laughs> a few but you go there early dude they're freaking you'll you'll know where they're at and they don't really go far you know now if you're you're looking at winter range that's a different story you got to wait till they're in their summer range so you're saying like because i read the article you can go on rockside and read it but the June time frame, because not only is it green and they're out probably a little bit longer because the temperature hasn't reached the temperature like August, September, where it's you know sweltering. Then they also pop against the background because they're kind of a reddish color, like deer, yeah. a reddish color. And same elk. I mean, elk are more, you know, they blend in. They have a bigger pop early on. And then, you know, you go later, you can still glass them a lot better than deer, but they still pop a lot better against the terrain. You know, now on high country basin, that June might be July, you know, mid-July. Because then you'll notice that the train starts to dry out a little bit more. And there's, I, I don't know if it gets, you know, there's more, less consistency, I would say, the later you get on to, you know, on into the summer, mm-hmm. you know, with the exception of the highest, you know, high Colorado stuff, Wyoming stuff. And there's some high country that, you know, you know, they, you can have a better chance of seeing them consistently. But a lot of that mid country or even high country, you can't, you know. Is your glassing tech like in that early times? It's easy to see. Are you doing more long range glassing? Long range glassing and covering grounds fast because my goal in June or early hunt glassing is to locate where as many deer or whatever I'm looking at. I want to locate as many of where they're at. You know, I'm, so I'm not going to go look at one basin really hard and pick it apart. I'm going to go look at as many bases as I can because this is the time frame to do that. Now, when I come back in late July or August, I'm going to go to the basins that I feel that are going to give me the best, you know, if I'm looking for a particular buck that I've already seen, or if I'm going to go look at that, got that spot, spot again, I'm now I'm going to be more Pacific, you know, cause yeah, you've already found out, that but I'm not going to like that. You know, you have this giant mountain range and you go pick a, you, you only go where you only can glass a couple times. You only, you only, you only get to cover a little bit of it. You know, if you go early and you cover a lot more and you kind of, you'll, you'll find like just in that North Dakota spot, I found a spot had 35 bucks. I could have went, you know, 35 bucks in a relatively small area. And I could have went, and I did go over freaking hundreds of miles. It, there were spots that were, uh, that was the best spot tenfold. But I only found it because I was kind of blowing through it. And I just happened to glass a group and then I hit another group. And it was only because it was early on and they were just, you know, they're out feeding a lot. And I went back to that same spot multiple times. And and I found two giants in there. And I I didn't have a tag, but. I was able to find those giants again, but it was only because I was like looking hard under junipers and looking, you know, glassing really hard to find those deer again. But if I had just picked that, picked a random basin to go glass hard and not, not cover ground, I'd have never found it, you know. This in the back, this up, I should have said this at the beginning. We're not just getting Jim on here because he's a random guy, random guy that goes hunting and scouting. Jim gets paid to scout. So you've, how many years have you worked for We Scout for You? I think it's like 15. So yeah, he's not, um, he's not what I'd say a rookie scouter, if that's even a term. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of an obsession. Yeah. Like he's, he, even if he's not getting paid, he's scouting, but his li- he gets paid to go scout. And, uh, yeah. So it's just not some random guy we pulled in here to talk about scouting. I, I saw this, this was after you did the podcast with Jordan on rock slide. The, do you change your like technique if you're going to be able to scout it in june and august compared to if you're just gonna be able to scout it once like in august yeah what would you do what do you do different no so if i'm gonna go scout it once you know it depends what i'm looking for because i what i realize that if i go scout it in august i ain't gonna do that i have to be specific i have to be to a spot that i really want to be looking at i gotta pick a, a basin or basins you know i like to pick i like to get on a ridge too that i can glass like maybe three or four basins from one spot or moving very little bit you know not not having to go but the key then is i want to be specifically looking at first light and last light there's a smaller window so i I want to be in that window i have a mission to get to a spot and i want to be at that spot i don't want to be walking through uh, cruising on a ridge in a spot i don't want to be i want to be you know more specifically you know honed in on one spot do you do any of that crazy shit like robbie glassing into the sun and crap i try not to yeah me neither. Uh, yeah, I try to I try to use any advantage I can. Obviously, there's advantages and disadvantages. Obviously, looking with the sun at your back, a lot of animals are already, they're the first animals out. You know, so 
what well, the best angles are to get the other side of the hill where you can get an angle where the sun's, sun's not in your face, but you know, you always want to use the sun. So if you can't go scouting and put boots on the ground until, but you have a few days before the hunt, do you think it's beneficial to put a few days in scouting or do you think you could fuck up the animals and make them move? I'd rather put the days in scouting, especially, um, it, it depends on the hunt, obviously, but if you, uh, you know, if you're going into a hunt, say you're in a migration hunt or something and you only have five days, I'd rather in the deer moving, I'd rather probably spend the five days hunting. But if you're going to hunt an opening day area and you got potential pressure, I mean, your best bet is honestly, like, I think on opening day hunts, opening day is good. Second day sucks. Second day sucks worse. You know, you know, third day sucks worse, you know, kind of right. goes. So if you can have your targets set up to go before opening day, so even if you don't get your first buck, you know where another buck's at or bull, you know, so you have a couple options. Because mm-hmm. then once you hit day three, you know, the whole thing's just mixed up. And now you're just trying to pick something that somebody might not have pushed out or they're not underground, you know. so Trying to get lucky. Yeah. But How? then you can blow them out. Uh, I did. We blew that big bull. I blew, I blew that big bull out on Emmy's hunt this year. The night before, and I, man, I was so mad at myself. <laughs> well, yeah, I forgot. I forgot you told me that story. So the, I forgot where I was going to go with that whole thing, but I, I had a plan, but I had a brain fart. How do you like? I consider myself a good glasser, but the one thing you can do that really pisses me off when I hunt with you is you can find deer like nobody's business. With a, you have a pair of swirls, but man, they are fucked up lenses on those swirls. <laughs> how? I mean, it's like. Do they look, look like his phone? They look like his phone. They, how, They've been used a lot. What's your technique? And I know you got, you told me that you kind of, sometimes you just got to get in the mindset of looking for deer, but what's the, I mean, I know you have years and years of doing this, but so do I. And I still can't see mule deer like you can. What's, what's your, what's your technique, Jim? Uh, you don't, you know, uh, I don't really know. Uh, so a couple of things are, uh, you know, I, I look over everything, but I also go to the spots that, you know, I just kind of, I don't know if they're like, uh, what do you say? Just kind of where you would think what looks the most deer to me, like things just on a random hillside. I'll match you. That looks like a deer would be in there. Cause you get, you know, obviously the more you look <laughs> no, at it, dude. <laughs> shit don't look deery to me. I'll be staring at a mountainside thinking I see deer everywhere. <laughs> dude, Jim does it. And the thing that pisses me off, if you ever hunt with him, this is what he does. And I don't even know it. He'll be almost moving. Like I'm sitting down, getting my fat ass set up for a good tripod, you know, like. But he's already be, found the deer. Not only that, he <laughs> hasn't even stopped moving. Like he's no. on his feet. He's walking. He'll look up. There's a deer. I'm like, it takes me five minutes to find the damn deer. Like elk. I mean, and most people can find elk. They're big and white, you know, they, but Jim will be like, well, where is it? Well, it's underneath that tree, you know, 10,000 miles away uh-huh. and it's got his leg hanging out. And you're like, I oh. saw a hoof. <laughs> I saw a hoof. I saw his tongue. Yeah. Just, just practice, I guess, you know, as you just, cause you're probably obviously the whole thing. You're not looking for the whole body. You're just looking for a part. Yeah. And, and, and I've been, uh, like, you know, my binoculars there, they freaking, they're like, uh, I, I, I do a lot of. I'll be glassing as I walk the whole time too. So that's what I mean. You don't even like, I'll have to sit down and look at something and Jim's on the fly mm-hmm. telling me, and he's telling me where these deer are and I can't find them and I'm set up to look for them. Mm. Yeah. It's just, irritating. You just get used to it. But, uh, definitely, uh, since I started using a, a, a tripod there, freaking that's a nice, you know, pick yeah. it apart. But the, what I, what I would do clear on, on glassing is I, I look at all the, uh, the most likely places first mm-hmm. and then I'll start scanning and then, you know, going through, uh, you know, I'll, I'll start, I'll scan the whole area. Then I will go and start picking apart the best spots, you know, but, um, I would say this is one of the reasons, uh, scouting early and stuff would be good. So when you get to it, you want to know what food those deer are eating when you get to an area. So, you know, the more time you get, once you learn what a deer's habits are, where, what kind of food, where are you going to see him at? Cause I remember when I first started, um, when I was like, yeah, you know, I started going like in the sailway in some other country when I was younger. Um, my uh, cousin, he got me into it. He had all these, he had like every Eastman's journal that ever made, you know, so I'd look through them and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, looking through all the country. And so you look at what you think is good deer country, say, which I was obsessed with at the time. And there's no Google Earth, so you got to go and just pick spots and hope it looks good, you know. And 
you'd be obsessed with it. And then you get to this big stuff that looks good and you get the problem of you're looking at, I call it too much green. So you have all this country you're looking at and you, and, it, and, it, and it'll mess me up too. If I get to a new area and I see all this country that looks good to me, but it's too much, you know? So trying to look for deer in that, it, 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 it's tough because you know, you're, you're not giving it enough time to find out, you know, to pick a spot apart. So then you think there's nothing there because you looked at all this freaking awesome country and you're like, ah, oh, this place sucks. Because you expect to see it too much, but you don't look to that level that you need to see them at. Are you just talking about you're just looking too grand and you're looking yeah, at Yeah, too grand. Big, yeah. You have too much to look at. So you're not looking at that, you know, kind of. Not, you're not paying, you're not focusing on particular spots as you go. Yeah. Do you like, have you read, I think it's Robbie's or it could be somebody else's about the four step glassing technique or 12 or whatever. Do you have any technique in your glassing? Four or 12 is a big difference. Oh, I can't remember. It was, it was early on in Rockside and it was like, I know how I glass, but everybody has their own little system. Do you have a technique? If you're walking up and you can see, you know, some of the big panoramic stuff, you know, that central Idaho has or Wyoming has, or even Montana, where you can just see forever. How do you break that up? And it sounds like a dumb question, but I see guys walk up and they'll like glass for 30 seconds. And I mean, you can see freaking miles. I mean, how, how do you go about doing that? So, uh, yeah, no, I've, uh, I, I, you know how I'm kind of like ADHD pretty bad. Yeah. That's kind of how I've never I noticed. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> glass like that a little bit, but no, um, I'm all over the place. No, but no, I, 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 I will, I will scan the area first kind of for all the best spots, especially, I hit, you know, if the sun's coming up or coming, you know, down, I like to hit the spots that they're going to leave, you know, real quick. I want to get on that spot fast, you know, spots that are going to be vacated soon. And it's funny. I always like when that sun's leaving, it's like almost see like deer stuff kind of moving, kind of like to stay in front of that, uh, that sun line there. So, uh, you know, I also, in the morning or then in the afternoon in either time, you know, whether it's, if it's getting, you know, if it's getting sunny, sorry, first, you know, if it's getting sunny in the, in the morning time, you know, the sun's starting to pop up hit it i want to be ahead of that if i can um you mean glassing in the shade not in the sun yeah well i want to glass right where that's be right before the sun hits it and then i'll and then i still scan the i'll at that point i'll just scan the sunspots because then yeah sun shining on them um, but you know i so i move i i bounce around a lot but then i do i still do get to a spot where i'm where i'm starting to pick things apart and i will obviously i'm going to go back to my most hot hottest areas first and then and I will, depending on if I have more spots to go to, if I or if I'm just in one area that pretty much this is all I have, then I will start. I will start to use like a grid system, kind of you know, go through each thing, and I'll go back through it. And it seems like sometimes the second time when you go through the whole area, there might be some certain things that you start to get used to, and then all of a sudden something might pop a little bit different, you know. And then <laughs> um, one thing you got you got to have a confidence of where you're seeing deer at. And sometimes if you get to a spot and you're not seeing deer. Um, I, what I've done is bust my spotter out and just start looking a lot harder with that thing. Cause you know, and then you'll start, and if you start to see them and then you kind of, then you get that, I don't know what it is. You kind of get a, uh, a sense where, not where they're hanging out, but just the fact that you seen one, now you start to get confidence. You seen where he's at. And then you, then you go to the binoculars and you start seeing them. Cause I think if you get moving too fast, you, mm. you know, you got to get that right speed of where you're seeing them at. One thing I do notice is when I get out there and I haven't looked for, like I've been elk hunting for a lot, you know, I like elk hunting mo- the most, but I'll, I'll be tuned up. My eyes will be tuned up for elk. And it takes me a while to like almost re-gear them for mule deer because it's a little more methodical. It's a little bit slower. You're not looking for this big ass animal that's usually in a group. You're looking for these little gray bastards that are hard to see. So it's kind of like your eyes got to get, you got to retune your mind and eyes at what you're looking at. Yeah, I think, I think once you see one, whether it be a deer or an elk, it's mm. much easier to see the next one. Yeah, it's almost like the color you you see how the color contrasts with the background or where they were, and and it's just like that specific color jumps out at you a little more when you just saw it. It also helps when you use Swarovskis. I'm just gonna throw yeah. that out there. I definitely definitely <laughs> agree on that one. That's what I was trying to. I guess my long winded answer that you know that's why I bought bought the spotter out. But you know, it's seen you know because then obviously they, you can see them better, and so. Yeah. Then you break it down. Okay, okay, this is what I need to do. What you're saying is good glass makes a difference. Yeah, you know, the big three. I know I already know that we all three use Swarovski optics. And it's not the only ones out there. It's just the ones my eyes prefer and obviously your eyes prefer too. Yeah. 
I got hooked in when you told me the peers were the best on the planet. Ooh, yeah. he has peers. I have peers. You have peers. Yes. <laughs> you messed me up a little bit on the peers though, because because I had so long with those ten by forty two ELs. Yeah, that. Oh, once you go to a twelve, it changes your view a little bit. Oh, it did because I, you know, I looked. You seen how much I use those ELs, you yeah. know? And uh, so I. So, so hold on, there was not at one point there was no coating left. <laughs> Not only on the glass, but on the freaking armor. What are, <laughs> I set the glass in like three times to get them re uh, re uh, um the lenses all changed out. Oh yeah, Jim gets every. Well, maybe Swar- maybe Swarrow would have hooked them up if he sent them back in for like a a, a durability. Say I just put them through the most durable <laughs> test you could do. They had like white on them. It was like, it was like they so. Anyways, what the peers? You change your you change. Yeah, your, still I don't I don't think I even got there yet, but like. So I've looked through those uh, those ten Yale so much and on the move a lot, you know, because I'm always glassy. You know, I don't even, you know, I might be, I might be moving, but I'll throw my glass up as I'm going constantly. And uh, um, I noticed that like everything kind of changed for me uh, on that what I was used to, you know. So I almost like I almost have to like stop. I had almost had to start over again, starting to glass because starting to glass a little harder, you know, from one spot, you know, more stationary because it's not because the glass was moving more. It just when you get used to one thing and you do it so much that, you know, that, that change up kind of threw things off a little bit. And I don't think it's a field of view issue. Cause I believe the 12 yeah. tiers have the same almost field of view as the 10 ELs, but it's a different, like it's a little different tone too. Yeah. So something, something threw me off there for a little while. Boy, Tanya got the, I got Tanya the eight NLs. Oh boy. Nice. Oh, it's like looking like an antelope. You can like see behind you and shit. Mm-hmm. It's pretty impressive. Those little eights. Now, now those twelves are pretty badass though on a with a tripod. Oh, the twelve, <laughs> any of them, eight, ten, twelve NLs. There, when they said that they couldn't, people said they couldn't make a better optic than they did. You know, one thing I picked up on already that that you're talking about is that you're always glassing, and it brings up kind of a point like you can't find animals unless you're looking for them. No, I know I get bored with glassing really easily, and I might be a I'm probably a quick scanner. And I'm, I'm not good at it at all, but, you know, obviously you can't find deer or elk if you're not looking for them. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just like that, that uh, you know, a lot of times I find deer that when you just seen them make a little movement or they just happen to stand up and you, you, you say you glass that spot 10 times and, and this has happened to me too before, like, you know, like you might look at that spot, but then you, it's, you know, you don't want to look at it again, but you keep looking and all of a sudden, oh, there's one and there's one. And you'll have time, you'll see, if, when you do that a lot, you'll see, like, like maybe in the middle of the day doing that, too, you're like, ah, crap, I ain't see crap. And all of a sudden, one will pop up, and then that, that's a cue, too, to, like, okay, I better start looking. Because then it seemed like they almost had the same cue. Then all of a sudden, you start to see One's a moving new group. And then, yeah. yeah, just that, uh, yeah, definitely always looking. You catch different little angles. And then, and it's weird. You see one little angle, like, say, you've seen a deer move. And that's the only reason you've seen them. And then you see where he's at, and all of a sudden, like you look over to the next hillside, and you'll see, like, oh crap, I'm starting yeah. to see deer now. Yeah, because just because you, you tuned just, in, even if you didn't even start looking at the same spots, but you got tuned in on that, just that shade or whatever it is. And hunting with you and <clears throat> Robbie, I've noticed another thing you guys do a lot is you don't sit down in glass and just stay there. You guys move around and get different angles a lot. Yep. Angle the dangle. Angle <laughs> <laughs> the dangle. Yeah, you guys move up and down those ridge lines and you try to get, and you'll move elevation and you'll try to just get different views on, and it's, I've done that and it's definitely helped me oh, yeah. find you, more animals. Yeah, you have to because you, you'll be on here and just moving just a, a little bit. We'll catch you that whole angle. You'll catch a you know, deer. So just moving constantly, not constantly, but you know. Yep. I'll, I'll move down there and I'll move back up here and I'll move back down there, you know, just to. And that's just not your ADD talking. That's just you want to get different that's angles. Just, that's where I've, I've I've had success. When you have success doing something, then you do yeah. it again. How much stock or how much time do you put in like Google Earth or e-scouting? Uh, well, when I'm bored at home, I do a lot. <laughs> well, I, I know how – I mean, but what what do you get out of it? Like the guy that's never been to a place, the guy that's coming from back east, or he physically can't get there till the day before or day of – how do you, how would you go about using Google Earth or, you know, any of the mapping softwares? Well, that'd be, a, that'd be essential for somebody coming from a long ways away. It was a huge, huge tool for me at the beginning because I started learning to scout and everything without, no, I didn't have no computer, nothing, no Google Earth. Mm-hmm. And so it's all, you know, kind of like you get to know the country, then you kind of, I had maps. You used to see my cases of maps. I have maps of everything. I remember I'd call you up. It'd just be some stupid unit. 
It's like, yeah, I got that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got that one too. And then, yeah, then it's almost every unit has like, or not unit, mountain range, maybe have its signature, what what slopes are going to hold the deer, what slopes you want to look at. And so trial and error. But now with the Google Earth, you can, uh, uh, you know, you want to hit it from like, you want to get on angles and you want to, you want to hit it from everything. And then it, it's, it's a, it, you do more than just that. You'd want to get a map or have something to look at where the roads are at and everything. And then you'd want to, you know, try to get actual pictures of the ground because, you know, there's some things on Google earth, you know, that look like they're open or look like, Oh, that looks good. And you get there, it's freaking 10 foot high brush field. Yeah. You waste your whole freaking backpack into that whole yeah. area. Yeah. The Those, one thing I'll always say about Google earth, it's always going to look way worse in person than it does on Google. Earth. Oh yeah, definitely. So it's not a, it's not a foolproof thing, but no. it definitely will help you. And, and, and what I would suggest is, you, you know, somebody would get to know, you know, they got to, they would get to know that, as much as you know that area they're going to go to as much as possible on a first on a, bro, a broad scale you know then they then they would want to get down to you know looking at all the different aspects and then when they get there if they haven't ever been there before then they want to want to know you know they're going to want to know enough to know how to cross stuff off because well shoot all that stuff i thought on google earth was great but it's not but this this stuff and then you want to be able to you know kind of recognize what slopes or where you were seeing that stuff at there you know there's certain brushes that yeah, I mean, I like there's some areas that you can go and you can go in there and you you would swear there's a deer. You go for five miles, you don't see a deer. Then you hit this certain brush pockets and there's freaking 100 deer in there because that's where they want to be. And then and then at that point, your hunt's on because you'll go, okay, I'm targeting. If I go on that mountain, I'm targeting what slope is those brush fields on. I need to hit those spots. And you can see a lot of them from Google Earth, but you do got to know where you're looking. You can't just, you know, look at random. Oh, that, can, that looks good because a lot of things that look good aren't the – right spots yeah if you if you guys want to if you've never used google earth or you want to get better at it mark Livesey has a master class e-scouting class and i've been using google earth and mapping software for 10 years and half the stuff i he goes over i've never heard of you know like putting the angle <clears throat> you can put the aggressive angle on the google, on google earth on the 3d section to make it mimic a little more at what you're seeing like when we we went down and hunted the cellway so i put that on for jake because when you look at it on a regular map or non-3D map or non-exaggerated, uh, you know, topo, it looks relatively flat. But when you exaggerated it, it looks That's pretty. when you scared the shit out of oh, it. Yeah. I don't even look at it. Like, uh, I'll, I'll look over at the top. But ever since, once I figure out how you could tilt the screen and you can look at it, that, yeah. it, that's the only way. You, if you do it any other way, you're it, 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 it makes it look totally different. If you're just looking straight down on it, you know, you can't. You'll think, oh, that looks open and open. And then when you angle it, you'll, you'll there's a lot of stuff in the way. <laughs> do you prefer outside of Google Earth? Because I think it's still the premier thing for scouting. Do you, which mapping mapping software do you prefer? Uh, I just kind of go over. I use uh, you know you got Onyx and you got um, you got um, base map Gaia. base maps. Go hunt. Yeah. And, um, I like what yeah, I like. Uh, I kind of go a lot between Onyx and Google because Onyx kind of to me pops a lot for like you got your uh, you know your land ownership and your roads and everything is pretty you know it gives you i think the uh what would you call the word it would be uh you know like it um it's similar no not at all uh i don't i wouldn't prefer onyx for you know looking at the train right but i prefer it for is it's like uh, um uh you know different shades that on as far as your like your layers your layers the layers yeah yeah. you got well you got your uh, trails and you got your roads so i like to use that to know my access points and to know okay this is this mountain here, you know, you know, to get a good lay of the land with a good, uh, uh, you know, there's good separation between, you know, you know, what, what is it and what isn't, it pops easy. So you don't have to like, uh, look hard words. And then Google earth is going to be the land. I, you know, I'm not going to, I don't look at Onyx, you know, I'll, I'll look at Onyx, but if I have a spot that looks good to me, I'm going to look at on Google earth because I can get a way better look at, you know, I like ground. to have them both open at the same time. Yeah, you, you may go back and forth. You may see something on Google Earth, and it looks different because of the perspective that you can get. But yep. then you can grab that coordinate and drop the coordinate in Onyx, and then yep. place a pin there, or and then have you a say, different. Okay, look how can and, I get to this spot? Exactly. Okay, this is my access to this spot now. Yeah. I'm gonna look at the, what is this ridge here? You know, but you know, I don't think I don't think Onyx. You know, like if, if I'm looking at Onyx to to try to know exactly what it looks like, I don't. Right. Google Earth is still the the leader there by far. And sometimes I'll have three different screens open with base. Because the thing is, some will tell you if a gate has a gate on the road. Some will, you know, the thing I love about Onyx, it tells you an estimated trail distance. And 
that's some yeah. good stuff. No, I like I like that part. That's you know looking at that Wyoming unit. You know that I'm thinking about this year because because uh, that wilderness unit is like you know looking a little bit different this year. You can't use a chainsaw in wilderness. Nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we may or may not have found that out the hard way. Yeah. You get some unruly people come over if you start ripping a chainsaw in the wilderness. Oh, yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> if you're out there listening, I didn't know. Oh, yeah. You don't have to be a dick. You can just tell somebody. Um, yeah, Switching a little bit to Burns. You wrote an article on Rockslide about Burns, but I just wanted to ask one thing because it gets asked quite a bit is if you're looking at Google Earth or you're going through a burn, I mean, obviously there's telltale signs, but – when is a burn too old and you give up on it? I, it always depends, you know. Um, it, it's each that's the that's the one thing about burns you kind of never know until you get there. You know about how good it's going to be. You can have assumptions. Well, once it once the fire burns the area, how long until you think about hunting there? And then from that point, how long do you think it's good for? Okay, so um, for instance, I feel that burns for you know on a on a broader scale, obviously. Area to area can be totally different, but burns on a broader scale, I think immediately they're a lot better, usually for elk. I've seen... Like within the same year, if it burned... Oh, it could be great the same year or the next year. I've seen some really good, like, oh man, this place is awesome for elk. Um, There was one area that burned that was a really, really good deer area, just freaking awesome. And it burned and and I was kind of worried and I was kind of excited about it. And I went over there and there was this brush that the deer always ate in there. It was this green brush. And... So there, you know, I always found the deer around that brush. I glassed the mountain from a long ways away. And this is like the year after. And there was all this brush back. Like looked like the same stuff from a long ways away. You know, I'm like, oh crap, the deer are going to be all still there. So I get up there and well, it was, it was different. And it was loaded to the hill with elk, like just huh. full of elk. Did we? Yeah. We yeah. talked about this. Yeah. It can come back. No different. deer. No deer. Has it, have they ever came back? They, that area, they actually never did came back, but it was weird that fire had burned in different, like different heat levels. Like mm. some mountains got burned a lot harder. It was a big fire. Some mountains got burned a lot harder than others. And then I found that the deer didn't really come back to some of the, they started hitting some of the areas pretty good that were burnt that they might not have liked before. But like certain areas, I think it just, it, I think in that brush, I never found that brush again. I haven't been there in a while, but, um, so I, I think it just scorched that brush out and it got replaced. That's interesting. And there has to be like a scientific but, uh, reasoning uh, for that. Well, something else I'm picking up that you're saying a lot is about is about finding what the animals like to eat seems to be yeah. extremely important. Yeah, it is. It, Obviously, or if in a certain area, if you see deer liking something in particular, then think about finding that in other other spots in the same area. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's, you know like, you know, just that brush thing. When you, when you look at it, you're looking at this country, you know, from us, our perspective, we like, oh, that looks like it'd be good, but. They might not think so. Yeah, you know? I mean, nutrition values different. It's not yeah. about looks for them. It's about yeah, like that one brush I was talking about, like that the uh, elk like with the deer like. There's no deer. It, I mean, a total flop of herds. You know, they had a few elk, no tons of deer, mm-hmm. and then it went tons of elk. And then there's other areas that the elk kind of come back quick. And then I think you get the they like that new fresh green grass that grows up. You know, out of the burn, and then they kind of like almost I've seen them. In one area in particular, they almost kind of like filtered out of the area. I mean, they still use, I mean, still food for, I mean, it's still their area, but they, I think it was a magnet from, for maybe two or three years. And then the brushes started growing back. And then I noticed the deer herd just started really picking back up. It's a totally different, totally different part of the state. But I noticed that the deer and the deer got really thick in there. Um, and nobody really knew about it. And then all of a sudden everybody knew about it and it got shot out. <laughs> mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause what happened, you know, you know, the, it was. It just happened to be. It, it made it a lot easier to hunt because you had a bunch of timber, and now you have a bunch of open slopes. Mm. And then the open slopes came back just phenomenal for deer. You know, all the the the, the spots of deer ate before. Now they're opened up and really good for deer. And um, it just depends on on when it. You know, if it if it's no good at some point, you know. How do, moving on to another point because we're almost at our hour. Is the how how much you worried about this the snow, the southern southern Idaho and when they say they just set the a new Idaho Falls cold was it minus thirty five is a new record yeah holy moly yep how how much you worried about that oh very worried mm-hmm. I've been I've been obsessed obsessive worried in the past you know like I'll look at the weather like I don't like obsessively like oh crap 
what's it doing down in my area, you know, that I go down to, you know, or areas, a lot of areas. I'll be looking at all the areas in the state, like, every couple hours, like, when's it going to freaking melt? When you what say are, area, your area is the whole state of Idaho, Wyoming, Montana. When we drove down on uh, Charlotte's Hunt, I was, you know, I know we had some talking to the one uh, game warden that said it was going to be a pretty tough hunt because of the, the weather. I was, so I was, I was kind of, I was worried pretty good. And then it was actually, it was sporadic because not too far north of there, there was like a line. It was like, it looked pretty darn good. Like all the south slopes were gone. And then, and then all of a sudden you, you like, you went over a line. It must be the track of the storms. I think a lot of them coming out of California, kind of tracking up at a certain angle. So I think anything that got on that side of that track, it was, it was like, there was a noticeable difference, like very quickly, hmm. you know, where places further north, they, you could tell it was a lot more mild. Well, you brought those, you brought up biologists and fishing game. How often do you call them to ask them questions about the area you're going to hunt? A lot. You know, do you even get if used, I know something, I'll still. You do you always, get inf- good information from them? It, you got to kind of know how to ask them. I mean, because are, are they telling the same person? Everybody that calls in, they tell them the same spot. That's what I would always say. That's what I, I. He's got it fucking do. rehearsed. Yep. A rehearsed yeah. place Dude, to go. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't ask them like that. What do you, how do you, oh, yeah, how does Jim Carr was, ask them? If everybody asks the same, same question, but I know that sometimes they get, they'd want to sell tags. So they kind of, they point people to spots they shouldn't maybe point them to. I feel that, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, when I talk to him, I kind of, you know, I, I'll talk to him from different angles, kind of, um, you know, about habitats and stuff. And then, you know, as I get more knowledge for the unit, then I'll have a different question to ask them. And I kind of come at them with knowledge, you know, a little bit, not like saying I know or anything, but, you know, kind of come at them. I'm not just asking, oh, hey, so where do I go hunt? Do you like ask them about a certain area? A certain spot, maybe, okay, what are the deer eating in here? And then, you, and then you, and I felt that I, dude, I've in the past, have called every freaking biologist multiple times. Kind of, I bet they love you. Yeah. But you, you find out the biologist that, you know, kind of, you know, the, what makes them tick or sometimes they don't, you know, they're just giving you just generic information. You know, you got to kind of learn that for yourself, but. You know, you got to hit them from different angles and kind of ask them, not just, oh, hey, where, you know, because that's what they'll say to you. Hey, so where do I go hunting at? Where do I kill the, where are all the big bulls at? It's like, that's the same question everybody asks us. Yeah. You know? yeah and they're going to give you the same answer they give everybody yeah. else. Hey, where do I go hunt in this part of the state? Uh, oh, this, this area is good, but you want to get more specific. And then the more knowledge you talk to them about, like you started going, oh, yeah, it's a so and so creek and that creek. And, this creek, I, I was noticing that there were just kind of these kind of bowls up in there that, you know, they have this kind of food to the deer eat that stuff. And then sometimes you'll find a biologist that, you know, maybe he's actually been there. You know, a lot of those guys, I think they don't even really know. You know, they just, you know. Some of them don't even get out of the office. There is a, it's a job, so they're not really going out and look. But you'll hit, you'll find there's a there's a handful of guys, you know, that know stuff. And you, you know, you want to ask them more like, more like you're talking to them. They're talking to you like, you know. Because you're not just talking to them, asking them general, you know. Yeah, one of the best bulls I've ever shot, a biologist, literally told me he's seen the big bull in such and such area. And I found him a week later. So <laughs> they are worth calling. Yeah. But I'd do the same thing. I would ask him about a particular spot, not say, this unit, where should I go? Because yeah. they're going to give you the same freaking answer they gave 40 other people that called in. You say, yeah, I was thinking of going out, I'm going on this ridge and glassing down these bulls. And, <clears> and then if, if, Seems like, you know, he, he might, they might say, yeah, you know, it might not be, if I was going to do that, I'd probably go over it. Like, you know, over here, you know, they might get, you know, then you're kind of asking more specific. So then they'd be like, oh, you won't find them in that kind of stuff. You'll find them way, way, maybe more, you know, and so-and-so stuff. And then, you know, you start to get a little bit better picture. Gotcha. I read, uh, Ryan sent me a link to one of your articles on Rockside that I read before you got here. I wanted to try and be a little knowledgeable. And, uh, I noticed that. You know, you talked about a lot of different things like like attitude uh, and a lot of different topics in the article. But but generally, you get out of it what you put into it. You know, if you if you go into a new unit and you didn't do any scouting ahead of time, you didn't look, you didn't ask, you didn't call somebody, uh, or you get there with the, the wrong gear, the wrong attitude, and, you know, it gets a little cold or a little windy and you buckle up and go home. Or, you know, I, I've been on, I haven't been on a lot of hunts, but I've been on enough hunts to know now that. Almost every hunt has some shit oh, yeah. <laughs> you're going to go through to get to the end. And uh, <clears throat> whether it be Ryan, we go hunt elk in Montana and we literally hike in five miles in the evening, in the nighttime in a blizzard, you know, with a young kid or, or 
you know, taking the wife on that elk hunt and we get up to the ridge and the wind's blowing 75 miles an hour and she's freezing to death or, you know, I guess generally it probably has a lot to do with cold, but, and weather, uh, but there's always shit to go through. So you gotta like expect the shit, you know, and just like, just learning from you stopping in glass and obviously you're not going to find something if you're not looking. So if you got shitty glass then, or you don't know how to use it, um, but generally put some effort in. Oh yeah. Definitely put effort in. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, don't expect the free elk because you called the fishing game guy and said, hey, where's the elk? And then. Nope. Yeah. It, that's where, you know, the, I think the scouting or getting to know the unit as a whole and just on a map, you know, people maybe bypass maps, but, you know, getting to know all your access points, you know, so you kind of, you want to have knowledge on that, where you're going. And plan A, plan B, plan yeah. C, don't get stuck in one spot. The, you, you know, know if there's no elk there, there's no point to spend five days in a spot where there's no fucking elk. Get up and move. Yeah, we move. But uh, but one thing, you know, just just the if you get if if you don't have any knowledge and then you your your plan A failed or you kind of thought you were going to do something, you don't even know where the roads are at. You don't know. I mean, you don't know how you can get access to other countries. And then you're you're kind of up against the wall. Oh, I got to be somewhere in the morning and I don't know where to go. And then now you're just wasting days. And you know, you want to be in most places. You want to be at a hunting spot like actually hunting, not just like you said, what I was talking, you were just talking about, you want to be glassing. Yeah. You don't want to be walking up a, a hillside. As the freaking sun's up. coming up. Yeah. You yeah. want to be walking, spend your whole time walking up a hill where you can't glass. Yeah. You got to be at your access points. And if you got to kind of know your limitations too, like, well, I'm going to try to get there and I, you know, maybe I'll overdo it, but sometimes you get to, well, I'm going to make it there. And then you spend the whole time just walking and it's, you didn't get to hunt it. And, and lean on people for information. I mean, I didn't know. I My boy and I spent the worst fucking week ever on our first elk hunt. And then the next elk hunt wasn't very much better. And uh, But lean on. If you have, I think that hunters will definitely help you become a better hunter. They're not going to give you their spot. They might not give you any information about a location. But, you know, I learned a lot just talking to you about scouting. And it had nothing to do with a particular location. I think hunters in general are all about other people coming into the hunting game. And, and are very willing to give, you know, tips on gear uh, or, or or process they go through or how they scout or this or that. So definitely just lean on people and uh, try to get some more information. Yeah. Or find a podcast that you like to listen to if there's guys that you think are legit hunters or whatever. And pick up little things here and there. Yeah, just shoot. I, I We're always learning. And I'm picking up things every year. There's one common denominator. Jim's a very successful hunter. There's one common denominator that I know about all successful hunters that I've been around. They're never, while hunting, they're never negative Nancys. Yeah. You know, they don't always have that dark cloud at, you know, hold. they're always ready to go. They're always excited. They're always ready to go the next ridge, the next, you know, whatever. And I've been around the other side where somebody's bitching because it's raining or their foot hurts or, you know, whatever. It's cold. Well, no kidding. You're hunting in the fall in the West. It's going to be cold. But like with Jim, Jim's never in a bad mood when he's hunting and he's always up for anything. And I think that, that is what, that, that starts you down the path, you know, to find animals. Yeah, I agree. You actually have to want it. You can't. Yeah. That's, mean, that's the key. Yeah. Like I've taken people hunting, like adults, you know, like people in the past that I always, I want to go hunt and want to go hunting. And then it's almost like you get to an area and you can tell it's too hard for them or they're not liking it. And then you almost feel like when you feel like you have to make excuses why it's like this is not always like this, you know. <laughs> I feel like you have to do that. I and know what you mean. And it's like, oh crap, this is yeah, this is gonna be stupid. Yeah, I called Jim at three in the well, it was two in the morning and said, Hey, will you come help me pack a elk out? And he's like, Hell yeah. <laughs> and then he packed an ungodly amount of weight. Uh-huh. So yeah. anyways. Anything else you want to add? No, I think uh, you know, I I, I learned a lot. Learn every 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 time we talk to another experienced hunter, you know, you pick up a little something here and there and, and yeah, good attitude, have some grit, have a little, grit, gather little up gumption. as much information as possible from anybody that's willing to give it to you before you go. Yep. The and, attitude, uh, attitude's huge. Like, and be prepared to know that there will be some shit yep. that you will go through. You never really know what it is. Ryan, you say shit show. It, it, it could be almost anything, you know, during the hunt. It, it could be anything. Whether the yeah. goats don't want to fucking come back in the five miles and you got no gear at the trailhead, what the fuck are you going to do? You know, or, or, yeah. You tie them to a fence and go into town for a while. That's right. Until <laughs> <laughs> they you get it figured do. out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jim, is there anything you wanted to add? Uh, I don't know. Uh, one, one thing one thing to add to that, though, is one thing I like about hunting that's the most exciting thing is, not most exciting thing, but one thing I just love is 
it could be a sucky ass hunt. It could just be freaking just retarded, stupid, and everything is just, why would you like this? And then you walk around a corner and there's freaking something you have never seen before. And you have the freaking, your hunt could change like in the, in the split, split second, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And it's That makes you, you always on your feet. It's never like you're looking for Will's, where's Waldo? And like, you know, you're, I ain't seen crap. This sucks. I'm hurting. And then all of a sudden, boom. Oh, dude. <laughs> Yeah, it's the highs and lows that you remember in life. It's never the mundane, you know, in the middle. It's yeah. the suckiness and then the extreme, you know, extreme excitement and then sucky again. You know, usually you shoot, you know, you don't see an animal, you shoot an animal, then you got to pack it out. Yeah. And I'm on my deathbed. That's the shit I'll remember. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for listening again. If you have any questions for me or Jake, get a hold of us at podcast at shoottohunt.com. And Jim will have you on in August again before hunting season starts. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for listening. Thank you, sir.